0: This episode is brought to you by Bond Charge, who were formerly known as Blue Blocks. They are the original science-backed brand providing fashionable Australian-made blue light management and
1: red light therapy products as seen in Vogue, GQ and L. Jess, I have a quick science lesson for you. The sun is the most natural source of blue light, and rather cleverly, our brains use the light from the sun to regulate our body clocks. When the sun starts to set, this signals to our brains to start producing melatonin, which prepares us for sleep. However, with more and more artificial blue light products in our everyday lives, this quite understandably confuses the F out of our brains. Enter Boncharge, they have a range of products which filter
0: down harmful artificial blue light which come from sources like our phones, laptops, tablets, TVs and even LED light bulbs. In fact, Harvard University found that too much exposure to blue
1: light not only disrupts our sleep but can increase our risk of multiple health issues. As some of you may know, our favourite product of Bond Charge is the blue light blocking clip light which is the most perfect reading light, particularly before bed. Its red light is not only cosy and easy on the eye, but it's been proven to stimulate melatonin production which improves sleep. Hurrah! It perfectly clips to your book, it's rechargeable and the light is easy to manoeuvre. It's been a real game changer it's a perfect size and super lightweight which means you can have it on you wherever you go whether
0: you're traveling using to read before bed or even just need to get up in the middle of the night and don't want to turn on an
1: overhead light their website is great and breaks down all of the science behind their products so head to www.boncharge.com and use code bookrecos15 for 15% off all their products Welcome to Book Wreckers Between the Pages. I'm Jess. And I'm Lauren. And we're the pals behind Book Wreckers. This is the podcast where we chat all things books and just about everything in between. And today we have the
0: pleasure of being joined by Holly Bourne to chat about her new book, Girlfriends.
1: Many of you will know Holly from her young adult novels like It Only Happens in the Movies and Places I've Cried in Public. But Girlfriends is her newest adult novel and we're delighted to chat more about that book today. As well as understanding the difference between writing for both age groups.
0: Um, so welcome to the Book Coase podcast Holly. Uh We were delighted to meet you at your blogger event and are absolutely thrilled to have you here with us again today.
1: I'm delighted to be here thank you for having me. So let's start then with your latest book, colleague. Please, can you tell our listeners about your wonderful new book, Girlfriends, and what it's all about?
2: Uh, Yes, so Girlfriends is about, it's got two timelines, Um, one set in the teenage years of my main characters, and one set sort of in modern times, around the years 2019 and 2020. And it follows yeah Jessica and Fern who are like the best friends you know how that intense friendship you have when you're teenagers and mm. um, but you know that they have fallen out and not spoken for over 10 years um and then so in the past you see the their friendship and kind of leading up to what happened between them and in the present you see Fern and Jessica trying to become best friends again as adults mm. um and trying to figure out if they can let go of the kind of old habits and toxic parts of their uh, friendship that kind of caused them to, like, self-destruct in the first place. So it's, yeah, all about kind of telling some uncomfortable truths about yeah. female friendships, some uncomfortable truths about what women normalised and grew up with, like growing up, um, you know, if you're kind of a millennial, and um, growing up in your teen years and in your early 20s. Um, but also really kind of cherishing and kind of celebrating female friendships as well, and how they can be these incredible things. But basically, how men ruin everything.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. In a nutshell, that's
2: what all my books are about. <laughs> 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 men ruin everything. <laughs> it's like how you can distill them down.
1: Yeah, that comes through. Um,
0: yeah. And I wondered if it might be a good idea to kick off this interview with what you mentioned um in your speech at the blogger event, but also in your author's note about how you were sort of writing this in the pandemic and more was coming out in the news and that sort of added this extra spin on -hmm. the book, if you will, and if you would mind talking about that a little bit. Yeah, it's
2: it's it's you know not the happiest story um and say so anyone listening you know I'm about to talk about you know sort of sexual violence for a couple of minutes just to warn people um for having a nice leisurely podcast and listen Thank you know you. walk on a podcast I'm about to get a bit deep um for the next few minutes but yes yeah, so I am an ambassador for women's aid um and we go around and educate young people about abusive relationships and And spent many years as well working with young people um, who were victims of sexual violence and stuff. So it's sort of an area of expertise I have. And so sort of pre-COVID, I was kind of very aware of the the epidemic that we were living in, which was sort of sexual violence against Mm. um, young women and girls. And it felt like before COVID, people were finally starting to take that seriously. It was a really kind of exciting time to be working in such a depressing sector, Mm. And because we had the women's marches and we had the Me Too movement, kind of really like was reinvigorated on Twitter. And um, you know, and like I still remember before Harvey Weinstein, like before COVID hit, like one of my lasting memories, like Harvey Weinstein was convicted, like he went to prison, like this unimaginable thing happened. Uh, And then so everyone's kind of woken up and thinking about these issues, and then COVID hit, and everyone was just shut away. In their houses for what a year and a half, probably the best part of a year and a half, all just locked inside. Very strange reflex, honestly. Yeah. And um, what I had started knew that I wanted to write a book about female friendship, and had been chatting to my editor about it, and we we're kind of talking about this virus that we were hearing about in over the seas and kind of oh, I hope that's not too serious, and um, and st- was started to write this book during lockdown. And one of the things I noticed um, from working in these fears is the result of this giant awakening about sexual violence combined with people just having nothing to do, we were so bored we were, like, baking banana bread and mm. you know, um, doing, like, crafts, you know, um, was that I think lots of women um, were who had maybe outrun their past and by keeping busy or thinking maybe it wasn't that bad or, oh, that's just a normal part of growing up is this happening to you. Yeah. Um, kind of it caught up with them and lots of my uh a friend who worked at rape crisis, so they were just getting like a huge amount of um calls about historic things that had happened and yeah and that sort of threaded through the book the book mm. sort of became about yeah following these two girls Jessica and fern um and their friendship but also sort of showing how male violence and patriarchy and the power of male gaze sort of just um just you know ruin things and there's this poison um that girls normalize and, and how do we learn to love each other as women in a kind of platonic sense when we kind of have internalized all these really horrible messages about male violence and what's normal and what's normal, yeah. and, what's normal. and you know I remember like going to a nightclub and my friend got her ass pinched by some random
1: and I was like why isn't he pinching my ass? I'm like, that's sexual assault. Yeah, <laughs> and, I'm like, Why and, is and it that describing? happens to Fern in the book as well, not it? <laughs> yeah. She's almost like she's really proud of herself that somebody pinched her ass, or was, or her friend is very proud of her that she's had her ass pinched. Yeah. And you read that in your, you know, sort of late twenties, you're like, what the fuck?
2: <laughs> it's 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 strange, and that's it was yeah, trying to just show just how warped we yeah. are from from coming of age in these 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 times and and how yeah that, how does that impact female friendships and yes and stuff and also I kind of worry about like how when girls are away without boys there like what the book is trying to celebrate is like how
1: they're completely different spaces yeah, yeah.
2: And But then how that gaze is actually still creeps in and you're having a great time with the girls and suddenly so you, you see yourself in the mirror going, oh, that's not a very attractive laugh. If a man was watching me right now, he'd be mm. fancying me, even if he's a witch man and an imaginary yeah. man in yeah. your head. <laughs> yeah, and That's sort of what the book's about. <laughs> yeah.
1: And you've handled it also sensitively as well, Holly. And as well as that sort of really deep lens to the book, there is also the really uplifting sense of, like you say, female friendships as the title you know suggests and how they sort of evolve and grow over time and they change over time like you say fern and jessica met when they were young and when they meet again in their 30s over not after not seeing each other for about 10 years jessica has a child so you know their relationship has a very different dynamic and you explore that so so there's such an interesting dynamic there was there a a preference you had of writing? Like, did you prefer writing them in their teenage years, or did you prefer writing them when there was all this sort of juicy backstory in their thirties?
2: Oh. It was was so much fun for me to write this book because obviously I write YA and I've written YA for 10 years now and kind of got into adult fiction sort of by accident over a couple of years ago just because I got this idea and I was like, well, that's not a way. And then, you know, love writing for adults as well because you can just go that little bit darker, and that little bit more kind of morally complicated and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you get reviewed in newspapers, things such as matter When you write for teenagers, you're just like everyone just pretends that teenagers don't read. Um, yeah. Like it, and it, it's not in it drives me mad because if teenagers didn't read, then there wouldn't be any adult readers, and the whole industry would die. a um, point. point. But it's, um, anyway, rant over. <laughs> it was so fun to write this book because I got to like be both, both Hollies. like, if yeah. I, uh, and kind of get to write. Te- you know teenagers and get to write the same characters as adults like that was really juicy uh for me um in terms of what I preferred it wasn't it was actually quite fun to write teen fiction um historically because like the nostalgia factor was really lovely because it you know it was. was vaguely my age the characters were a bit younger than me um but you know I had to go back and kind of remind myself what was big in popular culture and and like what technology and make sure that when they're writing messages to each other like it was you know whatever the maximum limit of characters were messages and all those like these teeny things so that was nice uh uh but yeah so I, I think that was fun but it was interesting having a conversation about like writing teenagers for an adult book yeah lots of um I thought those was discussions we had work with my editor and she's like well this is reading really teenage and I'm like that's good <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> teenagers. know <laughs> <Job> um, <done. laughs> but it is interesting how when you write in the adults yeah you kind of need an adult voice so that was I couldn't it couldn't just be straight YA it, was, it had to be like but, L- yeah. teenagers but with an adult knowingness voice so that was quite Yeah, a a challenge to write. So it was like I couldn't just write it as way because I had to have this slightly. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, and that really comes
2: through.
0: Oh, thank you. I think also the nostalgia, like because of the nostalgia, like teenagers today could not relate to all the random stuff of our past and like what we were doing as teenagers because like the tech wasn't there. So it's you know definitely it's it's for adults that will remember being a teenager at that time. Um. And I'm really glad you brought up the nostalgia because we were living for it. <laughs> um, we were actually talking earlier today about the horoscopes when they're talk- like, we were obsessed with the daily <laughs> horoscopes. We were like, oh, I, think I did say expect the unexpected today, <laughs> yes. even though that means absolutely nothing. <laughs> um, and I wondered if, when you were writing all the nostalgia, you just touched on it there that you had to sort of look back. Did you, was that a solo activity or did you get in touch with your old teenage gal pals and be like, what were we all talking about? What were we yeah. really into? <laughs>
2: I think it was because as I said like we were all in lockdown um I think everyone was quite nostalgic anyway because it it was and um so I'm very lucky in that the group of girl group of girlfriends I had when I was in sixth form college I left school hated school but went to sixth form college for two years and just yeah it was very lucky that I met my friends for life in that 16 to 18 years and so that was yeah zoom quizzes do you remember yeah. and everyone was doing a zoom quizzes it's strange and so I think yeah. there was a lot of reminiscing because mm. nobody had any new news it would just be like yeah he was so like, scribbling you, away yeah are you on furlough that's... yeah does it suck yeah like going went, offline uh, online on msn yeah but it was you know it was, we had nothing to talk about apart from like i went on a slightly different socially distanced walk today or oh have you heard we to sit on benches from next week yeah you know, it was just the- <laughs> like, everyone like we did reminisce about the past i think which helped yeah um which helped that and um another thing that was really interesting but that happened mm-hmm. which is sort of less fun was um yeah, people started talking about the past, and one of my friends did like um a Zoom quiz where they went through really, really, really old photos and took pictures of like random people and like name that person from college, like in the background. Nice. And it was like, oh, it's so and so. You know, you only had these weird nicknames to people like, yeah. oh, it's like Crazy Joe, or, you know. Just like, <laughs> and that was actually like a quiz, a Zoom quiz. That's happened. funny. I'm um, like and, and but like mm-hmm. so, that, so it meant these old pictures were coming up and um that actually brought up a lot of anger in us after a while because like oh my god do you remember that guy like we would go to a house party and he'd just find the drunkest girl there and just like get off you know yeah like, you should be in jail really like you yeah. know and then like and somebody's like oh I looked him up on Facebook and he's like got a daughter and he took her on like the women's but you know you're just like yeah what? He can't, how, he's not a feminist he's like a predator like and that yeah the nostalgia took me to adopt <laughs> as well, well in as the an, book as well yeah yeah and and that's what the book's trying to do is is bridge is like when you look at the past it can be joyful and it can be painful and mm-hmm. very angry at the same time and um and so yeah, in the writing that I went through, I think the same experiences as the reader will, and kind of like, oh my god, yeah, I remember MSN, like you said, like appear offline and then come back online. Yeah. Your crush says hello, or <laughs> like being so excited when your red hot love day, like in the Joseph and T magazine <laughs> <is> Saturday, <laughs> where you have a party. So you're like, oh, that. Right like yeah,
0: that part, <laughs> yeah
2: yeah and being really sad if it was like actually like a you know the sometimes like oh it's a cold turkey day you know and you're like oh it's a day of a party and that you think it's actual science yeah yeah you think it's science <laughs> yeah than yeah. like work experience person who's
1: yeah. just like just he's like finger in the air like what what <laughs> should we do, do today yeah. like let's really fuck with them this time <laughs> um on that there were parts of the book that actually had me howling And um, there was one quote, I'm going to read it, about astrology. And you wrote, is it just me or is it crazy that football chat is taken seriously when it's basically astrology from then? Having these weird identity um, markets you're effectively born into and then constantly discussing about what it means for your fate. And like, Holly, you've really cracked... The nail on the head there, because you're so right. As- football is essentially astrology for men, and it's it's ridiculous how much of a talking point it can be for men, but it is accepted. Yeah, and that it's socially
0: acceptable to just talk about yeah. footballers running around the pitch, but frowned upon to talk about when it's your red hot day. You know? Yeah,
1: then- or when Mercury's in retrograde, like it is oh. now. Yeah, oh, it's been in retrograde.
0: It feels like it's around. in retrograde every week, Lauren. I'm like, is it is it in
2: retrograde again? Because I'm in like, it's something. it's like once a quarter, once a quarter. <laughs> it's like we sound mad right now having this conversation. And like it's my husband,
0: mercury's in retrograde.
2: Like, well, but like my husband's like feminist as he is, like is could listen to me through the door right now. He's like, oh, they stop um. talking about Mercury at like, night. It's not a thing. And yet, I listen to him and his mates when the football is on, or you turn on the news and like professional people dressed in suits kind of going what is the destiny for everton this week you know they've been riding this dream like you know and their synergy and it's just like it's you don't know it's it's a game yeah it doesn't
1: mean anything and also the money in football is monopoly money so the money has no value
2: anyways this is another rant (laughs) but like if you hear men talk about football in a group it's like oh it's like to me like like i'm always think i'm straight and then i hear men talk about football I'm like maybe i'm not. <laughs> uh, it like i find it so sexually impulsive <laughs> like it just, just like like and also like that in football shirts like
1: there's something about men in football but actually and like, also like men singing songs at football matches like when i think about it too much it gives me the real ick <laughs> because they are just like standing in a crowd together singing really random songs about players but like that is how men express themselves. So I'm just putting it down to that. Like we'd have a lot more um of the more darker stories that this book does touch on in terms of what men are capable of. If they didn't have an outlet to to shout at men running around on a football pitch, I do think. Yeah, it is like
2: they're socially acceptable. It's like the only time they're allowed to like be sad. Yeah. Yes.
1: You know? Yeah. And angry.
0: Yeah.
1: Um so we digress, but I did want to just raise that. Yeah, I yeah football's astrology for men. And yes. like,
2: it is man. There should be a segment in the news where it's like, Mercury what, is what the
0: planets are doing. Again. Yeah. Brace yourselves. <laughs>
1: yes, it's, just, it's just <laughs> as absurd and or important. Yeah. <laughs> but there is a science behind it and um, so when Fan and jessica become friends again jessica shares her theory so we're going to go on to another theory now oh, okay um, shares her theory that there are no good men and no bad men there are simply they're the same men who just treat women differently based upon the woman that they're with at the time and like what box they've put that woman in woman in essentially mm. so when that kind of leads Fern into seeing her boyfriend, I think it's, is it Ben? Mm. Yeah, in, in a different light. And she then starts almost like creating problems and creating this narrative about Ben that doesn't really exist. Um, so without giving away any spoilers, is Jessica a good friend or a bad friend? It's like Jessica's a troubled friend. He is, isn't she?
2: Uh, and it was like that, yeah, that, that was always a, the poor quote when I was writing the book is there are no good men or bad men they're yeah. they're the same men and they treat women differently because it was you know you you look at the guy who should be in prison and you're like does his wife know that he used to go to parties and find yeah. the drunkest girl you know it's and conversations I've had with boy like with men when Me Too came out was you know like well I don't know any abusers and I don't know any rapists like I would and I'm like you will you will yeah. like and know like, there's this idea that there's just like these sorry to like put a really like lightness to a phrase to this but like mm. they just feel like there's just some very prolific rapists out there who are yeah. just you know they and
0: are, all these must look a certain way and yeah, and yeah
2: and they're just doing you know and then all the other men are good and yeah. there's like, these really bad eggs who are just very very efficient or sorry this i I'm tr- like and I'm like no it will be you will be friends it, with you, so you will yeah. be friends with You just don't know you, you, and um I think yeah what this book is looking at because it's reflective would be like and because the book's all about complicity yeah. and I think Fern when she looks back on it and going that's really wrong is also looking at her own complicity and I think yeah. Jessica challenges her sort of as the book goes and be like you know you're saying I'm a bad friend were you that good and that's sort of looking at how yes all these horrible things are happening to you. women um well, they were growing up and still are but you know it's uh, people know it's a bit more wrong now but like we were complicit in it as well yeah. we were going why isn't my ass grad we were yeah. seeing our friends being drunk and, it, and kind of having things happen to them and kind of going oh they got off with so-and-so like it was a mutually consenting thing you know it's yeah. um so oh god i've lost my train of thought into really dark is uh, jessica a good a good or, or bad friend bad. yeah so with that thing when she says that it really winds fern up mm-hmm. but she's not saying that it's that's what the book is looking at is mm-hmm. you know right are men good or bad and 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 i think jessica i think they i think fern is a good as friend to jessica as jessica is the fern i don't yeah. my i was like they equally need there's equal amounts of forgiveness needed and they've yeah. got to look at what's going on mm-hmm. there but hopefully the kind of message of the book is they're both victims of the circumstance uh-huh. this is again what my books are always about which is men ruin everything <laughs> <laughs> men are trash and and patriarchy is to blame and yeah that, and that's you know and hopefully it's a compassionate novel like when reviewers have said that i'm like oh good because it mm. it is just getting you these two women and tr- the books trying to get you to understand the context in which yeah. their friendship was growing from, like what was the soil that they grew out on and the soil was toxic.
0: Yeah. Oh, I like that analogy. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> and I am, um, you mentioned, you know, all my books are like that. And I wanted to just briefly touch on, Um, it only happens in the movies, which I've read, and that's a YA book for listeners that haven't read it, because I just think it is such an important read like someone that's maybe 15 and they're like in their first relationship or maybe you know a slightly more serious relationship than they've been in before and I was almost annoyed that I read it at like the age of 27 I was like damn it I wanted to read this at 15 like this has got such an important message in it and like really normalizes a lot of things but also points out a lot of things um and I wondered you know we talked earlier about the teenage boys and and the parties and things like that and I wondered if like this group of teenage boys in in um, girlfriends, do they feel like a new group for you to write about, or are they like ones that have kind of trickled in from your other YA books and and because you know, there are similar themes, of course
2: yeah it's interesting yeah, like what world is it in yeah just, I hadn't given it much thought until you just asked that question <laughs> and I just realized I think maybe in my head I do have a YA universe and like the colleges that they go to I mm-hmm. think in my head are mostly the same colleges and, oh. yeah, and actually an adult universe it's a different little obviously it's contemporary fiction so it's our world yeah but um fiction within our world so you have to do I guess world. the
0: times have changed so, maybe they are different universes because this, like, the teenage boys in this group are technically from like 10, 15 years ago.
2: Yeah, I feel like teen, like, there's obviously a lot more political awareness in teenagers yeah. now, which I find really heartening. Although there's also a huge amount of political kickback to that with like the success of that, I won't even name him, like, horrible TikToker. But, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, boys are just worshipping schools at the moment. So it's, um yeah whereas I feel like when we grew up it was like the word feminist just didn't exist and now teenagers now know the word exists and some are really celebrating it, and others are like have found this really dark men's rights activist section of the internet and yeah because (laughs) yeah and so it's um yeah yeah. so yeah so the teenage boys in Girlfriends yeah uh were were in that period of history where Mm. the word feminist was like a Always a few. Rec- it was. I remember, like we learned about feminism and sociology, and I was like, oh, yeah.
1: I can get you so know the suffragettes. I didn't yeah. really see it have a. It didn't have a place in the our upbringing and in, yeah until history I, in my in our my experience. Yeah. No, it was that only. I
0: think yeah. that like the men and the teenage boys and girlfriends do just feel a bit more sinister. Is that the right word? Like they're just a bit more creepy.
2: Mm. But yeah, I guess modern teenage boys, or oh, you, know, you know, they're still <laughs> quite a lot of creepy.
1: Sadly, <laughs> when got I got different in outlets to be creepy, <laughs> then, yeah. Maybe
0: because it was Fern and Jessica's grown up lens looking back on it, and we get that extra s- the spin that we've mm. been talking about for this whole interview. But yeah, it's just like, oh, God, still they were awful.
2: Mm. Yeah. Like, I would hope that not everybody would relate to that group of boys. I would hope that some readers are like I never knew anyone like that growing up yeah. and I've been like good for you I'm actually really <laughs> glad that this book doesn't resonate, resonate. Like, <laughs> badly, badly. this book seems to be resonating with people <laughs> yeah. um and yeah because yeah as I said we grew up in a really 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 weird
1: time for yeah Just a toxic environment that unless you actually do reflect back on it you might not be aware until you've read this book just how toxic some of the situations that yeah. you grew up in were which makes it so fat which yeah exactly and it doesn't in, it doesn't feel overly indulgent in that as well you've done it so sensitively that it it does feel like an uplifting book yeah. as much and a <laughs> yeah, celebration sorry <laughs> yeah it feels like a celebration of female friendship as well um and we've touched on it slightly but obviously there is a big difference between you writing YA fiction and adult fiction, and do you have a preference for what you write? I know you've sort of said that YA came more naturally to you. Do you have a preference now that you've written both? Yeah, this is just yeah.
0: and I do really want to talk about pretending. We're going to come on. To oh, that. okay, all right.
1: And <laughs> um, I don't.
2: I feel like the actual writing—the sitting down at your computer and making it yeah. all happen is the same. Um and it's just always hard. It's really hard to write a book, even if you've done it before. Um, or if you've been doing it for quite a long time, like I have, it's equally difficult writing a novel. And I don't find teen fiction any easier um than adult fiction. Mm-hmm. It's just a different set of generic conventions that you decide to follow or break, you know, those decisions that you make as a as a mm-hmm. writer. Like the differences come down to like promotion um and of the book uh and there's really there's things to be enjoyed and things to be (laughs) injured of both I remember Mm -hmm. when how do you like me now my debut came out and that was like my debut adult fiction now I remember thinking this is different because they were like oh we're just going to send a car to to each train station because all the the all the tubes are down I was like oh okay and then like the car arrived it was like a jag and it had like vibrating seats and I was like you would not (laughs) <laughs> and um it was just slick like the parties were, You know, you were at my adult book launch yeah. you know there was champagne on a roof terrace and like um and that's quite there's a the part of me that quite likes all that yeah you know slickness and yeah you get reviewed in newspapers people like acknowledge your existence or it's like teen fiction just nobody ever it's like we're it so ghettoized it's it's mad um I mean like, I remember for how you like got invited to BBC breakfast you're like just things that just do not happen if you mm. write teenagers and um, but I still remember after those two weeks of that book coming out with like the cars and the nice hotel and the BBC breakfast I had um a children's book awards that I was hosting at some little school in I think it was in Sussex somewhere and um and I went and like there was like a little teenager helped me park my car and I went into a school and there's just like a teenager dressed as a Dalek for no reason going welcome to the school and a Dalek <laughs> voice. I like, don't know why he was dressed as Dalek. Because he to wanted work.
1: to. Do. Yeah
2: and they were like and there was refreshments in the library before and I was just in a school and you're in the cramped into this library of yeah. like slightly small chairs eating yeah. like slightly stale sandwiches and there's just like all these like teenagers braying outside and it's so much less glab I was like oh I'm home I'm oh. home like I'm in a school life oh, um, you know just eating a sandwich relaxing. With, a More relaxing. Yeah. with like gonna go chat to some teenagers 80% of which wish they weren't in this hall because they hate reading 20% <laughs> like it was just it's Humbling and nourishing and wonderful. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's I like both for different reasons. Yeah.
0: yeah. And that's kind of nice that you get to have both.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You've got yeah, the daleks it's... to like keep you grounded, and then yeah. a jag picks you up. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Teenage champagne like, reception. But,
2: yeah. yeah. Teenagers very terrace. grounding. Very grounding. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um. So despite um. You know, your YA is just sort of bread and butter almost pretending was my first book that I've read of yours and I literally tell everyone to read it I think it's just marvelous I had the best time reading it but I also learned so much and I just wanted to give it a little spotlight in this episode so that people can keep listening to me and read it would you mind just telling everyone what it's about in your own words
2: yeah so pretending um I remember pitching it as a rom-com about me too which is obviously
0: I think that's quite a good (laughs) (laughs) summary.
2: so it's and I hope that that book manages to thread that very very dark thing together and mm-hmm. very lightning. So it's, so it follows a rom com structure
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, of you know boy meets girl and there's a deception and it ends with a wedding and you know all these sorts of things. Yeah. But it's a book about a girl called April who is a survivor of rape, um, who is completely broken and just like you know what I want to just get revenge on men. It's sort of like got a kind of promising young women vibe yeah. and yeah it decides to. Re- like get a man and pretend to be the perfect woman just to like break him and just be like I'm not real we're not real like we could be this cool we could be this laid back and we could be all these things that men want us to be but you're too busy traumatizing us So like we can't be
1: you know um, we don't need to it.
2: Yeah. so she pretends to be a girl called Gretel um and then meets a guy called Josh who of course falls in love with her because she's the perfect woman um and, yeah, and sort of Gretel like handsome Gretel she's like the housemaid of sweets yeah yeah you know? but um, yeah and so it's a book that um yeah is is a rom-com so it's like got lightness and jokes but it's a book that I hope I, I hope um lots of readers have said that I did do a good job of like that really really makes a reader realize just what the lasting impact of of rape yeah. is and yeah. trauma and pdsc and how hard it is to love again or have sex again yeah. um when that has happened to you because sadly like the statistics yeah you know it's not like this happens to a few women it's, it's like hundreds of thousands a year and um and so, you know and it's just and I just think it's incredible that these women are, you know, like, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to love again, and I just don't think men realise when they go on a Tinder date, how often they're sitting across a bar table from a survivor, and she's, they're thinking, when do I tell them? Do I tell them mm, yeah. about my rape? And then it will change how this man views me. even no, though it was yeah. nothing to do with me. I just happened, it wasn't my fault, you know, and just all that, that mess. Because I felt like that love story didn't exist, and yet these love stories are happening all over the yeah and that's it's a sadly really common love story and um that you know women have these horrible things happen to them that manage to maybe fall in love with men they can be safe to talk about um, and these men then have to kind of be like wow how do I deal with my wife when she's having a PTSD response you know like that is happening in this country all of the time so hopefully it's a hopeful book um but it's yeah yeah, again, very dark.
0: <laughs> it is, but it's also really funny. Like, I was really laughing, enjoying so much of it. But then, like, all those hard messages, in, like, they hit home as they should. Like, honestly, it's the perfect balance. I yeah. don't understand how you've done it. But...
1: Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> like, it sounds like there was a lot of laughter to alleviate some of the more yeah. tense time. And I've got serious FOMO because I've not read it. And I'm now really, really want to read it. And even Jess was telling me about it earlier. She was telling me about, is it a boxing class class. that one of the characters goes to? And the way that you were describing it to me, genuinely, it felt like Jess had been to this boxing class and, and just stepped out. She was so energized telling me about it and like how great it was. So it just sounds like the perfect, like book to really land a message pack yeah. a punch but also provide Enjoying you with that sort of escapism that books should give you know give all of us um so i'm going to be able to get to my list do
0: everybody should um <laughs> anyway we, we've digressed off of girlfriend's i we've also taken up a lot of your time <laughs> um so we just have one final question for you which is something we ask everyone which mm-hmm. is if you have a book reco for our readers you know something that they have to read whether it's a new release or an old favorite of yours
2: oh, i'm actually uh, um rereading a book a non-fiction book at the moment um and just that i think will change the world and mm-hmm. if when will change lives um it's like it's me recommending a book so it's about trauma it's called The Body Keeps the Score oh I love love that book Uh, isn't it just yeah it's just I think a seminal text in psychotherapy psychology and I just think everyone should read it and um, yeah so I would yeah so um, I try to make sure all my writing is trauma-informed like sort of I go you know and I've trained I've got my level three in counseling and all that sort of like how I try to write fiction I you know really understand like the, the what has really happened to my characters before I start writing about them and yeah this book has I think yeah. made me a better writer since I read it a couple of years ago and I'm rereading it at the moment so um yeah and it's Amazing. basically like how trauma is stored in our bodies yeah. um and just also like the huge cover-up of how the World of psychiatry just don't doesn't want to hear this and they just wanted to diagnose mental health problems and give people drugs and be like, you have this chemical yep. imbalance and stuff. And this book is like, No, <laughs> like things horrible things happen to people, and their brain yeah. develops coping strategies, A strategy. And mm-hmm. we're calling these strategies illnesses. Um, but actually, you know, and it's and it's and it's also very proactive. Like the second half of the book is all about what you can actually do to release trauma from your body. Yeah. So when you talk about the boxing class. <laughs> pretending yeah. they found you know that beating the shit out of a punching bag is really <laughs> really good for trauma survivors <laughs> like, yeah you know because it's actually releasing that stored memory into something exactly
1: because so all of our cells have brains like have many muscle memories and like you know connections within our bodies so it makes total sense when you do start to think about it so I highly recommend that book as well I think it's a great shout yeah and but we'll have a nice
2: oh, magazine yeah. to read just before bed after it because you're like oh oh this is dark and then I'm like I read a chapter of that and then I'm like oh what has Meghan Markle done wrong this week <laughs> in Heat magazine um and get angry at the magazine um but also find it quite relaxing to see like what so you know what vogue williams is up to or whatever it is oh
1: yeah and <laughs> we do love, vogue, we, yeah. do love <laughs> we love vogue and joanne mcnally and yeah. um, well thank you so much for joining us today holly we so appreciate you giving up some of your time to chat all things girlfriends and pretending and uh, and all of your other brilliant books as well so girlfriends is on store so make sure to go and grab your copy now we'll add the link to purchase it from an independent bookshop in our show notes and Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's been great. so much for listening if you enjoyed today's episode then like subscribe leave a rating and review it costs you nothing but it genuinely means the world to us
0: and you could share our podcast with your reading buddy too because they might like it and if you don't already then you can subscribe to our newsletter at www.bookrecos.com where we'll email a monthly roundup of all our recos in case you
1: missed any thank you so much for listening see you next week